You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Welcome to Security Sandbox. I'm Amanda Fennell, Chief Security Officer at Relativity, where we help the legal and compliance world solve complex data problems securely. And that takes a lot of creativity. One of the best things about a sandbox is that you can try anything. This season, let's explore how curiosity and personal passions inspire stronger security. Grab your shovel and let's dig in. Securing data takes a lot of coordination and weaving everything together. At times, it can feel like you are trying to conduct an actual symphony of different instruments to create that right rhythm for the company. Let's create our own symphony in a sandbox with someone who has woven music and law together in her journey. And let's get grooving for securing your data. As the CEO of the Empowerment Collective Company, the creator of Elite Accelerator, the assistant GC for Wells Fargo for more than 18 years, former featured vocalist of the Grammy-winning Sounds of Blackness, and the first time I think I met someone that I knew I'd been missing in my life, Miss Corey Cotton. Completely in sync with this topic of music and law, we bring in my own personal treble clef, who tells me how to direct Relativity's operational risk management, Mr. Stephen Powell. First question, we'll start with both of you, and then we'll see which one of you runs with us. So compliance, frameworks, standards, legal documents, contracts, it feels restrictive. How do you try to bring creativity into this realm? And is music part of that? Yeah. So, Amanda, I'm going to jump in on this one to start. Uh, So, you know, it's about what music represents to me, like connecting, finding common ground and therefore common solutions while making the listener feel heard. So that's how I approach my legal work, whether it's with a client or the person that I'm negotiating with across the table, getting as close as possible to the win-win. I mean, thinking about the long-term relationship rather than the quick win. That's that's how I approach uh, law. And music, actually. And even, you know, with respect to the law, when I'm learning a new area, because I've done a lot of different roles throughout my law career, I have to connect with the subject for myself, as well as from the perspective of how can I serve my clients? And then I can dig in deeper and pull back layers and become the subject matter expert. But that's what it is for me. The um, for me, music is a creative hobby. It is a um, way to strengthen creativity in general. Um, so when you kind of talk about, I, I totally agree about the, the client interaction piece, you know, that's kind of like your North star, who are my stakeholders? What is it that they want to see? You know, that kind of thing. And then oftentimes on security teams, on compliance teams, I know that's very true with our compliance team, a lot of creativity, uh, amongst the team, great subject matter expertise. If you have been able to exercise the creative muscles in your brain, then when you're faced with a real complex issue that involves a lot of stakeholders or a lot of conflicting views or what have you, it's a lot easier to come up with creative solutions that are effective for everybody. And so that's what music for me is. It is a creative exercise, something that I do with my friends, something that alleviates stress and um, hopefully helps me come up with better professional solutions. To do, you, do you find yourself thinking of song lyrics and bopping when you're in <laughs> any kind of meeting? Yeah, or like some DMX if something is upsetting <laughs> me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Corey, what are you? What oh, are you? listen, music yeah. is always in my head. I'm always writing a song. I'm always singing a lyric in my head. And not even when I don't know it, you know, people tell me like, you're just like sitting there singing. So I think it's just something that's kind of a part of you. When you have a passion for music, it just becomes a part of everything that you do. And you just don't, you don't go to it as music. It is you. It is a part of you. So yes, absolutely. I'm thinking about music when I'm creating at work. How do you make something your own though? And well, I'll start with you on this one because I know Steve's got a funny story. He had to make a program his own, but like, so how do you make something your own with music? Yeah, yeah. With music as well as with anything that I do. Like I I start with having and being committed to my authentic brand, like whatever the project Mm -hmm. is, whether it's legal based or entertainment based, it's really bringing my full self, my logical self, my creative self, my relator self, my developer self to that project. Because what I want is for people to be able to recognize me in any platform where however I'm showing up, they'll say, Hey, that is Korea, you know, the servant leader, the one that it wants to connect, that wants to, to write this beautiful song so that it resonates with someone in particular. So that's where I start. And then honestly, from there, it really creates itself. Mm-hmm. That's I I feel like this is where we're gonna have a separation in a minute because I know you two have very different styles for how you approach um, music and your background and your history with it. So before I move to the history, Mr. Powell, how do you make something your own? You took over a program. You had to come in, as Corey has, has taught me before and said, you know, you have to listen for a while, immerse yourself in it before you can fully get it. Like, how did you do that? I think the main thing is um, really trying to understand what's working, what isn't, and being patient and listen. So, you know, you, you come into a new situation, just like music, you know, the, the best musicians have the best ears. They can hear a tone. They can, they can, they can sense when they're flat, they can sense when they're sharp, you know, and they can adjust accordingly. I think that same metaphor exists in business, particularly if you're taking over a, a strong function that's already running, maybe you've been asked to kind of take it in a slightly different direction or modify, you know, something material, in the work stream, whatever the case is, it's important to listen first, particularly as a leader. Um, just like Karee mentioned, uh, the benefits of being a servant leader. I think that's that always resonates with me. Um, ask a lot of questions, do a lot of listening, you know, tune yourself to the environment that you've walked into, tune yourself to the um, concerns that your team has, you know, they've in in this particular scenario that you're mentioning, um, my team had been here a lot longer than I had, you know, they knew a lot of the history, a lot of the issues, they knew a lot of the challenges, they understood the company culture a whole lot better. So they have a better sense on what's going to work and what's not going to work, if we're trying to come up with creative solutions. So again, sometimes music is it's more important about what you hear, as opposed to how well you can play or sing or whatever. Um, so just being humble and listening, I think is the most important aspect. What a nice thing to say, Corey, you look like you have something to say there. (laughs) No, I just, I, that resonates me with me completely because it's, it's also a collaborative process, whether it's that project, Steve, that you talked about, or whether it's a, you know, a musical piece, you don't do anything in isolation. So it's about leveraging the strengths of the people that you're working with, right? Not just taking it a project for project's sake, or just trying to get something done to get it done. 
but it's looking at who do you have at the table and what are the strengths of those people at the table relative to the project or the song that you are collaborating on. And that's really, I, re I think one of the marks of a great leader is knowing when to leverage someone else for something that you don't have or some gift that someone else is greater at than you. It does sound like composing something and bringing in the right oh, instruments yeah. at the right time and the oh, sound yeah. and the levels. But yeah, that's yeah. a really cool way to look at it. And to piggyback on that analogy, if you think about roles and responsibilities, you know, you might be conducting the orchestra or you might be leading the band, but that doesn't necessarily mean you play every instrument as well as the person who has studied it. So that drummer <laughs> is the drummer for a reason <laughs> that, you know, person on the keys is the person on the keys for a reason. The person singing or playing the guitar or whatever else is going on, they don't know how to play these other instruments as well. Well, so there's so, a this concept with rhythm, right? And I think it's funny you bring this up. I actually am horrible at knowing like the tone of something. I love music. It's just part of my life. It's everywhere. We we do it in meetings all the time. Oh, um, I love that. It's all, <laughs> it's all, it's all over the place. We love music because it can evoke so many different like feelings yeah. and you know, joining a meeting for a stand-up on a Monday with, you know, CCR playing Fortunate Son or something is, like, very oh. different from from joining and hearing Ella Fitzgerald. So, like, it's different emotions, but there is this concept of rhythm. And I know that we've had these conversations before, and I love to bring this up. So it's a Buddhist concept within rhythm, that when you're in rhythm with the universe, things just feel like everything's going the right direction and so on. Corey... What does in rhythm mean to you? And like, how do you explain it? Yeah, first of all, I agree with you 100% because music is universal. It has the capacity to transcend socioeconomic status, race, religion, all of these things. When I am in rhythm in music, when I have lost myself in it and I have connected with what I call its true purpose, which for me is connecting with and ministering to at least one person in that audience. Hmm. That's when I know that I'm in, in rhythm with, with music. I know when I'm, to, to kind of extrapolate on that, I know when I am in rhythm in life, when I am fully engaged in like both parts of who I am, both the law part and the music part, like passion and dream. And when I feel like unencumbered by boxes, we don't do boxes. We don't like boxes. And, and, and frankly, when I'm out of my own head, that's when I know that I'm in sync, when I'm in the groove, when I'm in rhythm, when I'm in, frankly, my best self. And you seem like uh, when we've spoken before, it feels like you feel like a oneness with your environment. You feel like it's with you. That's absolutely the case. I feel like when I'm having to choose between one or the other, then I'm really living a fragmented existence and I'm not really giving the fullest part, the best part of me. I can pull it off. I can do one thing great. I can do another thing great, but I'm really not coming to the table as my full self unless I'm bringing all of me to what I do. Oh, love it, pal. You have a feeling for rhythm as well. Yours, you have such a classically trained background. Can you tell us a little bit about that and then what rhythm means? Uh, rhythm to me is just... Um... For me, it's almost like in order in order to operate, I think, effectively, there's like the conscious mind and kind of the subconscious mind. My conscious mind is always on edge, 
you know, a lot of anxiety, you know, things of that nature. I'm always worried. Did I get to this? Have I not gotten to that? Is something running behind? Am I going to forget to do this? What's the team doing? What's the team not doing? You know, you're always, you're trying to, you don't want to forget the now and you want to stay, you know, understand what's going on. My subconscious mind needs to be fed something. My subconscious mind will get bored and sit back and then I'll start losing my creativity. I'll start freaking out. Um, and so sometimes I just need the music on just for peace of mind. So I think Corey kind of hit on some of that. Um, I feel more balanced if I have a, and this is just kind of work, you know, working with music kind of on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes for certain tasks, if I just have that background noise going and then the rhythm kind of matches the pace of whatever it is I'm working on. If I'm reading through a bunch of emails, maybe I got something kind of, you know, instrumental on. If I'm trying to respond to a bunch of people on Slack or something like that, maybe I got something a little more upbeat on. You know, it kind of depends on what's going on. I try to match the rhythm with whatever I'm doing. It kind of helps me set my pace. My breathing probably changes a little bit. Um, and then I can better adjust for whatever I need at the moment. Whatever I need from me in that moment, sometimes the music helps me calibrate myself to it. Can I just say one thing there just yeah. about see? Because, I mean, he's just, I mean, I'm about to jump out of my skin right now. I know. And I'm trying, I'm trying, <laughs> to, trying to be calm. <laughs> but you know, I think that I think something that you're what you're talking about, about it kind of uh, highlights the fact that music is also about balance, right? You're talking about yes. the yin and the yang, so to speak. Like if I'm feeling up, the music will soothe me down, you know, kind of thing. And because mm-hmm. music definitely has the capacity to change the environment, to make a shift in the yeah. atmosphere, right? To put you in a, from a glad mood to a sad mood or a sad mood to a glad mood. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's one of the key things about music that we lose focus on sometimes is balance. Absolutely. I have a fun thing I'm going to spring on you all as, as a little activity that I did not forewarn, but I think it's fun. <laughs> First song that comes to your mind that you like, I know this song, I know the lyrics of it and you got it. Oh, well, you're going to guess this, no doubt. Somewhere over the rainbow. What is that? I mean, like, if you don't get that, you just get off. The, you just don't get to talk anymore today if you don't get that. That song. I know you love this song. It's so pretty, though. So beautiful. I love it. And your voice is so gorgeous. I had Thank to you. do that because I can't have you on here and not sing something, right? Invoice coming. I know. Um, I'm taking advantage. All right, pal, did you have one? And it can't be DMX. My little baby girl turned five Aww. last week. So the first song that came to my mind was, isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she happy? Isn't she <laughs> precious? <laughs> Isn't she precious? I forgot which one. Like, I forget. There's like two bars of it and I forget which one. Okay, we're all be. crying now. Isn't we're crying. <laughs> Isn't she wonderful? That's awesome. <laughs> I I mean I'd hate to sing it with two beautiful singers on the line, but I will say <laughs> we'll see if you can guess this with just the words. You ready? Hold me close and hold me fast. The magic spell you cast. I'm this stumped. Is La Beyond Rose. I'm going to Google. It's it's La Beyond Rose. That's oh. it. It's the opening lines. Hold me close and hold me fast. There's something about Louis Armstrong's version which I love, so. Oh, I love that. All right. We're going to pivot into this risk frame of mind. We have two people who spend a lot of time looking at at contracts and red lines and discussions and what is 
uh, regulatory, legal, etc. So I love to look at this from a standpoint of, of stringing all these threads together for music. How do you define risk and how does that come across in your music? I'll, I'll take a stab at that, and particularly from the music perspective. Uh, so risk to me is exposure to the unknown, right? That could potentially take you outside your comfort zone. So taking risk in music is about stepping outside that comfort zone for whatever you deem worthy or for whatever fits within your personal risk appetite, if you will. So for me, that would be finding yet another form, another style, another type of music to reach or connect with the audience or to find another way to tell what you think is an important story. Even the way that you, you know, sing a, a song and you make it your own, that's the risk yeah. of seeing how people react. But Absolutely. Mr. Powell. I think my example, I think as a risk professional, unfortunately, you know, part of the job is to give bad news sometimes, you know, telling folks <laughs> that a control has failed, telling people that they need to rethink a process, you know, um, talking to executives and giving them news that they don't necessarily want to hear. Um I think a lot of that has to do with confidence and homework. You know, like if you're prepared, if you've done the assessment, if you if you and your team are comfortable on the facts and you think that, you know, you feel confident about your conclusion, whether it's good or bad, you got to you have to suck it up and go present this thing. Um, from a music perspective, I would call that like performing, if you will. Um, the notion of the preparation. Have you practiced? Have you done your homework? Do you know the music? Have you been... Have you been practicing with a metronome? Has somebody been listening to you and giving you feedback? Have you recorded so it and listened to exacting. it yourself? It's so like a compliance <laughs> professional, right? So Corey and I are like, we just kind of immerse ourselves in the music. And you're like, did you check this list? Did you do this control collection for evidence? There's room for That's all of it, right? No. Practice, practice, practice. And people don't want to hear that, you know? And so it's like, you have to be confident in your messaging. Same thing. You know, if I'm going to go to an executive and say, hey, you know, we may have an issue here or something that we need you to kind of think about how well is my presentation? How well have I organized my notes? How well, um, how concise am I going to try to be here so that I don't lose them as I'm trying to make the point? I think the same thing applies with like a music performance. If you're, if you're playing on stage, if you're singing or doing something like that, you just want to make sure that you've put in the effort so that when it comes time to present this news or present a risk or whatever the case may be, you know, are you going to lose everybody in the audience? Are you going to be able to keep people engaged? Are you going to be able to get your point across and, you know, ultimately deliver a good I have to validate you, Steve. I really do, if, if you don't mind, because there's one thing to talk about the approach to music and the risk in the approach to music. There's something completely different about the performance of music. And I would be, I don't want anybody to hear this and say, she's lying because I am a war <laughs> horse on the practicing. <laughs> like anybody that yeah. is in any show of mine, it's like we're rehearsing. You know, we're getting it, do it better, do it better. But when you, but you first got to get there. You got to reach people where they are, even the people on your team, right? You got to allow them to come up in and connect with it. But once we've connected with it, once we've connected with the approach, now it's about execution and execution is about the detail that you talk about. I completely agree, but we don't start with the execution. We start with getting people there and then we move to the execution. That 
absolutely actually leads to the cap off for this episode because of a few things that that came out in this in this dialogue. But I believe these are some big takeaways for us. You can take the risks, but you should practice. <laughs> you should prepare before you take the risk if you can, which spoken like true risk professionals, by the way. Adapt to the situation and use what's in the room, right? Conduct that. So I think there's an adaptability that you mentioned there. But this last part, uh, I think, Corey, I think you said this, meet people where they are. I think music does that. And as I always like to end on a quote, this is an odd one that I came across from Hans Christian Andersen, you know, the, the fairy tale writer, right? But he is known for things like the emperor's new clothes, the ugly duckling, things like that. But he had a comment that he became famous for. It said, when words fail, music speaks. Thank you both for speaking today about music. I think that we definitely succeeded for this one. Thank you, Amanda. This was awesome. Corey, it was a pleasure. Oh, all my, all my. Thanks for digging into these topics with us today. We hope you got some valuable insights from the episode. Please share your comments. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Security Sandbox is produced by Relativity. Our theme music was created by Monarch. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit relativity.com for more episodes. 